You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Good morning, Liberty Family Church, and a welcome and good morning if you're visiting online with us today. This morning, we're going to conclude a three-part message series that I've called The Rock, The Stumbling Block, and the mountain. And to recap, it's a message series based in the Gospel of Matthew, which explores the identity and the mission of Jesus and its implication for us today. The first message, titled The Rock, focused on Jesus' question to his disciples Who do you say that I am? Peter's answer that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, was the rock on which Jesus would build his church and the key to the kingdom of heaven. The second message three weeks ago, titled The Stumbling Block, identified Peter's misconception about how Jesus would achieve his mission to open the kingdom of heaven to a world of sinners. It would not be achieved through force, but through suffering and death. And this second message also identified a stumbling block for our lives if we fail to realise that being a follower of Jesus means living for God and not for ourselves. There is a cost for following Jesus, a stumbling block for some, which requires living for God and making sacrifices in our lives for God that may involve suffering, and even death. Well, at this point, you may be wondering whether it's worth the cost, and that's a valid question. Well, Jesus' answer was that your reward in heaven would far outweigh anything you have to sacrifice on earth. But the question remains, do you believe him? Do you believe Jesus? Or were these just empty promises? Was this all just pie in the sky? Or is this for real? Can you give me some guarantee? After all, if I'm going to give up my life to follow Jesus, I want to be sure it's worth the cost. And I'm sure the disciples were asking themselves the same question. The final message in our series this morning is called The Mountain. And it comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17, verses 1 to 9 as Jesus invites three of his closest disciples, Peter, James and John, up a high mountain to answer that question. Is following Jesus worth the cost? Well, let's read from Matthew's Gospel together. Chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, 
And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So you walk up a mountain with Jesus, wondering whether following Jesus is worth the cost, and you witness all of this. I wonder if you can place yourself at the top of the mountain in this scene with Jesus. Can you imagine seeing with your own eyes and hearing with your own ears all that just happened? Is your heart racing? Is your heart pounding? Would you now go anywhere with Jesus? Would you now do anything for Jesus? And did all this just really happen? We would and should ask ourselves those questions. And I'm sure that Peter, James and John did the same as they looked at each other in amazement. What just happened? Well, let's delve a little deeper and explore this question together. What just happened? Well, Matthew says that six days after Jesus had told his disciples that they must take up their cross to follow him, he leads three of them, Peter, James and John, up a high mountain. James and John are brothers, sons of Zebedee, fishermen from Galilee, just like Peter. What were they thinking as they followed Jesus? Where, why are we going up this high mountain? As they get tired on the climb, perhaps they are thinking, why did Jesus choose such a high mountain? And why hasn't Jesus said much for the last six days? You know, sometimes it's only when we look back that everything makes sense. Six days ago, Jesus had told his disciples that some of them would not taste death before they saw the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And now on the mountain, Peter, James and John are witness to the beginning of that process where Jesus' kingdom comes, where Jesus' glory is revealed, firstly on the mountain, but soon through his resurrection, his ascension to heaven and the sending of the Holy Spirit. Peter, James and John were witness to the glory of Jesus, the coming of his kingdom. It had taken six days and a mountain climb, but it was worth the wait and it was worth the effort. Just as it had been worth the wait and worth the effort for Moses, who was led by God up Mount Sinai 1,500 years earlier and had to wait six days on the mountain before God revealed his glory to Moses. So this morning I want to ask you a question. What are you waiting for God to do in your life? What are you waiting for God to do in your life? Does it seem that God is silent and doing nothing? Has it been six days, six months, or perhaps even six years? Has climbing the mountain in your life 
left you exhausted and wasted? Are you close to giving up hope and close to giving up on God? When will God come through for me? Well, this morning, I want to encourage you. When it seems a long time since God last spoke to you, when it seems like you've been waiting a long time for God to show you something, it's often after times like these that God makes a great appearance and does something or says something extraordinary, just like Jesus did for Peter, James and John in today's passage. So my encouragement to you this morning is this. Don't give up on God. Keep waiting on him. Be faithful and you will see God's glory in your story. And the wait will be absolutely worth it. But you don't have to just take my word on it. It's a truth that's been confirmed in the presence of many witnesses. Jesus took three disciples up the mountain. Peter, James and John, not just one. And Jesus appeared to over 500 witnesses after his resurrection, not just one. And all of his disciples, bar Judas, saw Jesus ascend into heaven, not just one. And Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to all of us, not just to one of us. So there are many reliable witnesses So keep waiting for God to speak to you and keep waiting for God to show up on the mountain in your life. Because when he does, it will be amazing. It will be truly glorious. So after waiting six days, Peter, James and John are now on top of this high mountain with Jesus. And they witness, they witness something amazing, something truly glorious transpire before their very eyes. Jesus' appearance is changed and transfigured. His face shines like the sun and his clothes become as white as light. 1,500 years earlier on Mount Sinai, Moses had seen the glory of God and Moses' face had shone like the moon, a lesser light which reflects the greater light of the sun. And Moses' shining face could be hidden under a veil so as not to alarm the Israelites who saw it. But now Peter, James and John are witness here to one far greater than Moses. Jesus' face shines like the sun with its own inherent power and glory. And it's a power and glory so great that it shines straight through Jesus' clothes which appear as white as light. And the disciples catch a glimpse of Jesus' glory, the glory Jesus left behind in heaven to descend to earth, to live and dwell amongst us, to become one of us. And Jesus' light on the mountain is the glory of God himself. Now, who better to testify to the glory of God, the glory of this greater light in Jesus than Moses, who'd seen it all before on Mount Sinai, and reflected the light of God to Israel. And who better to testify that Jesus was sent to speak on behalf of God than Elijah, perhaps one of the greatest Old Testament speaking prophets. So here we have Moses and Elijah appear out of heaven to give context to the light and the words of Jesus. 
We're told in another gospel, Luke chapter 9, verse 31, that they talk with Jesus about his impending death in Jerusalem. Well, six days earlier, Jesus had told his disciples that he must suffer and die in Jerusalem. And since the Old Testament law and the prophets all testify and point to Jesus, so Moses, the giver of the law, and Elijah, one of the greatest Old Testament prophets, now appear and talk with Jesus to confirm to Peter, James, and John that Jesus' impending suffering and death in Jerusalem are indeed the fulfillment of the Old Testament law and the prophets of God. Peter, James, and John now fully comprehend and realize that Jesus' mission really is to suffer and die for the sins of the world. Jesus wasn't kidding. Moses and Elijah are here to confirm it. But did you know that Moses and Elijah's presence on the mountain also confirms something else for us today? Something amazing, something glorious, something transforming and life-changing. Have you ever stopped to wonder what happens to us when we die? It's a little bit of a morbid thought. If we get buried in the ground or if our bodies are cremated, cremated and burnt to ashes, is that the end of us? Or is there something more for us beyond death? Do I exist beyond and outside of this physical body? Do I have a spirit and a soul that exists beyond death? That's a question that mankind has sought to answer ever since history has been recorded. The Egyptians built pyramids and mummified their royalty in preparation for any afterlife. Almost universally, in all cultures throughout history, mankind believes in the eternal nature of our spirit in some way or another. We all hope that there's life after death, that our spirit lives on. Well, now in the presence of four witnesses, our hope is confirmed. Peter, James, John and Jesus see and recognize that Moses just didn't vanish into the dust of the earth. The Old Testament says that Elijah vanished from the sight of his successor, Elisha, and was taken into heaven by a whirlwind. But now here they both are hundreds of years later. I don't know about you, but for me, that is amazing. That is a game changer. That's really exciting. I'm not holding on to some wishful thinking, tenuous dream of heaven. No, Moses and Elijah have returned from heaven to bear witness to that reality. And now they're to the event. Peter, James, John, and Jesus, I can believe that my destiny is in heaven with Moses and Elijah and Jesus and Peter and James and John. What about you? Can you believe it? Jesus said to Thomas, Blessed are those who believe and have not yet seen. But if you're still not sure, how about if we all hear God's voice speak to us from heaven to confirm it? Would you believe it then? So just then those 
on top of the mountain are covered by a bright cloud. And they all hear God's voice speak from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Just as the bright cloud had covered Mount Sinai and Moses 1,500 years earlier when God's voice had thundered from the cloud and was heard by all of Israel, now God again speaks from the cloud to give testimony to his son, Jesus Christ. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. How much more convincing do you need before you listen to Jesus? Not just hearing him, but taking notice of him and believing everything that he says. Moses and Elijah have come back from the dead and from heaven. Jesus' face is shining like the sun and his clothes uh, are radiating his glory. And now a bright cloud covers them all and God confirms with his voice the identity of his son, Jesus Christ. Well, what's it going to be? Will you listen to him today? Peter, James and John, they don't need any more convincing. They fall face down, flat on their faces to the ground and they are terrified, absolutely terrified. They know that they are in the presence of God himself and his son. They know that Jesus really is the son of God, just as he said he was. They have never fallen face down on the ground before Jesus before, but now they do, and they are terrified. Well, how would you react if you knew that you were in the presence of God himself? Could you bear to look God in the eye, knowing what you are like and having seen what God is like, his glory, having seen his glory? I know my natural reaction would be, to fall face down terrified. I'd be face down on the ground as well. But what about you? But you know, the good thing is that the story doesn't end there for Peter, James and John. And it doesn't have to end there for me and for you either. Jesus comes to his disciples and he touches them and he says, get up, don't be afraid. Jesus comes to his disciples He touches them and he says, get up, don't be afraid. You know, that is the good news of Jesus. That is the good news of the gospel. God had spoken and declared that Jesus Christ is his son. And God has told us to listen to his son. And then Jesus comes and touches us and he says, get up. Don't be afraid. Get up and don't be afraid. This morning, I wonder whether you are face down and terrified. Does the thought of approaching the glory of God leave you weak at the knees? Will you be able to stand tall in the presence of God one day? Or does the thought of your life leave you trembling in fear at the thought of seeing God's glory, would you be face down 
and terrified. Well, if that's you today, then I've got some good news for you. Jesus is waiting to touch you. Jesus is waiting to touch you today. The touch of Jesus is a touch of acceptance. Jesus is speaking to you today through his word and by his spirit and through the things I share. Jesus is speaking to you today. And will you listen to him? The voice of Jesus is a voice that casts out all fear. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. And that perfect love is the love of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the love that he has for you and for me and for every person in the world. It's a perfect love that took him to Jerusalem 2,000 years ago as he discussed with Moses and his disciples and Elijah on the top of the mountain, knowing exactly what he was doing, knowing full well that he would suffer and die, taking up his cross to Calvary's hill outside the walls of Jerusalem where he would take the punishment for our sin, yours and mine, to die in our place so that we could get up and stand tall in the presence of God and not be afraid. When we are touched by Jesus, when we listen to him, when we believe and put our faith in him and his sacrificial work on the cross, it's from that moment on that we can get up and stand tall in the presence of God and not be afraid. And you know why? Because when God now looks at us, he sees us just like his son Jesus, perfect and spotless without sin. Now you may think that God is now looking at you through rose-coloured glasses. You may know that you are still not perfect. And if you think that, well, you're just being honest and you are absolutely right, absolutely correct. You are not yet perfect and neither am I. But God's promise is to give you the gift of his Holy Spirit the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And the work of his Holy Spirit living within you is to transform you progressively into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ, of God himself, from one degree of glory to the next, to the next, to the next. And the promise of God is that he who has begun that good work in you, the Holy Spirit, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, the day when Jesus returns from heaven to make all things new and completely perfect. That is the promise of God. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus told Peter, James and John not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had been raised from the dead. These three disciples were witness to the crucifixion of Jesus on Calvary's hill outside of Jerusalem. But they were also among the hundreds of witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. Well, Peter, James and John, they did keep quiet about what they had seen on the mountain 
until Jesus had been raised from the dead. But from that moment on, from that moment on, when Jesus had been raised from the dead, after his resurrection, they couldn't stop telling people about what they had seen and heard. Peter writes this in his second letter to the churches in chapter 1, verses 16 to 18, about what he had seen and heard on the mountain. Peter writes, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And likewise, John couldn't keep the good news to himself after Jesus had been raised from the dead. And John wrote this to the churches in his first letter, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, about what he had seen and heard, what he had been witness to, the glory of Jesus Christ. John writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. He's referring to Jesus Christ here, the word of God become flesh. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. What is it that would make John's joy complete? What is it that would make our joy complete as we proclaim this message this morning? It's simply this, that you would put your faith in what Peter and John and I proclaim to you today regarding Jesus. The truth about Jesus Christ, his identity and his mission. Who do you say that I am? Jesus asked. And Peter replied on behalf of all his disciples, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's the rock on which Jesus is building his church. Peter, James and, and John considered the stumbling block of living for themselves. They counted the cost and decided it was worth following Jesus, even unto suffering and death. James, the brother of John, son of Zebedee, was put to the sword and killed by King Herod in his persecution of the early Christian church. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. John suffered exile on the Isle of Patmos under the persecution of the Roman Emperor Domitian. And Peter, according to church historians, was crucified upside down under the persecution of Christians by the Roman Emperor Nero. And why were these three disciples, Peter, James and John, willing to take up 
their cross of suffering and follow Jesus because they had been with Jesus on the mountain and they had seen his glory. They had witnessed the coming of his kingdom, his resurrection, his ascension and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon all Christians. The rock, the stumbling block and the mountain. The answer was clear for Peter, James and John. But now you also must answer Jesus' question. Who do you say that I am? Will you cling to the rock? Will you fall on the stumbling block? Or will you lead, allow Jesus to lead you up the mountain to see his glory for yourself? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. You have revealed your glory to us in so many ways. Through the Old Testament prophets, through uh, Moses and the law, through your word recorded in the Bible, through the sending of your son to reveal your, your glory in even greater measure so that we could know exactly what you are like. God, we thank you that you have revealed your glory to us. We thank you, Jesus, that you are leading, up, leading us up a mountain to see your glory fully for ourselves if we put our faith in you. Jesus, we just thank you that you were willing to suffer and die for the punishment for our sins to take our place on the cross of Calvary. We thank you for that you rose from the dead, that you appeared to so many witnesses to confirm to us the truth of all that has happened. We thank you for their witness and testimony recorded in the Bible and revealed to so many witnesses. God, help us in our lives to follow Jesus wherever he leads us, whatever it takes. Help us to listen to his voice. Help us to go wherever he takes us. And God, thank you that our destination is heaven itself, that beyond these physical bodies our spirit will live on like Moses and Elijah and Peter and James and John and millions of Christians who've gone before us. Thank you that your glory awaits us at the end of the journey. Keep us in your care and guard us by your Holy Spirit, we pray until that time, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. And I hope that you have been blessed as you consider the rock, the stumbling block, and the mountain. God bless you.